Welcome to our study on exploring end time events. Ladies, we have seen throughout this study that the time is drawing close to Christ's return. There is not one thing that has to happen for Christ to return. Over the past few weeks, we have seen the providence of God and how every event in our lives are orchestrated by God to fulfill His ultimate plan and purpose in our life. We have seen the wrath of God on those who live in disobedience and we have seen the compassion of God as He continues to fulfill His promises in spite of our own disobedience and unfaithfulness. Christ is always faithful, isn't He? As we continue on our prophetic timeline today, we come to the white throne judgment. Now notice on our timeline that there are two judgments. In Hebrews 9 verse 27 it says and as it is appointed for men to die once but after this the judgment we will all go to one of these judgments now first we saw the judgment seat of Christ right which we discussed a few weeks ago where all Christians will be evaluated and given rewards based upon what they did with the opportunities that God has given them and then second, where we're going to be talking today, is the white throne judgment. And this is where all unbelievers will be judged. Turn over to 2 Timothy 4, look at verse 1. It says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Let's turn over now to Revelation 20 verses 11 through 15 and this is where it's going to talk about the white throne judgment it says then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them and I saw the dead small and great standing before God and books were opened and another book was opened which is the book of life and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and the death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Ladies, notice that verse 12 says that there were books opened at the white throne judgment. Now, we don't know how many books there are at the white throne judgment. Scripture just tells us that there were books opened, right? But what I found interesting in Wilmington's Guide to the Bible, Dr. Wilmington mentions five books in here first of all we come to the book of conscience in Romans 2:15. although man's conscience is not an infallible guide he will nevertheless be condemned by those occasions when he deliberately violated it and then we come to the book of words which is found in Matthew chapter 12 verses 36 and 37 let's look at that it says but I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak 
they shall give an account therefore in the day of judgment for by thy words thou shalt be justified and by thy words thou shalt be condemned the third book we see is the book of secret words now we see this in Romans 2:16 where it says that God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ and also in Ecclesiastes 12:14 it says for God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing whether it be good or whether it be evil the fourth book would be the book of public works and we see this in 2 Corinthians 11:15 where it says whose end shall be according to their works. And then of course there is the book of life. And there's many verses that talk about the book of life, but in particular Revelation 20 verse 15 it says and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Ladies, everyone is going to stand before Jesus Christ. Philippians 2 verses 10 and 11 say that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, The question is, which judgment are you going to be at? If you're a Christian today, you will stand before the judgment seat of Christ, which is the bema seat, where your life will be evaluated for what you have done with the opportunities that God has given you. You will not be judged for your sins at this time. Christ paid the price for your sins on the cross. You will spend throughout eternity with Jesus Christ. Now, if you are not a Christian, you will stand before the white throne judgment where you will be judged for your rejection of Jesus Christ and will be thrown into the lake of fire for all eternity, separated from Jesus Christ. Ladies, the time is today. We need to be ready for Christ's return. We cannot delay. You remember last week I showed you how the Jews were anticipating their Messiah's return by being buried on the Mount of Olives so they would be there when their Messiah returned and that the Arabs were also anticipating the return of Jesus Christ by trying to prevent him from entering the eastern gate to his temple. by creating a burial site in front of the eastern gate directly across from the Mount of Olives. Well, ladies, not only are the Jewish people preparing by being buried where Christ will return on the Mount of Olives, but they are also preparing items for the temple that will be built in the tribulation period. I'd like you to watch real closely to this next video, which is a very insightful video. Please watch. Every day, 3 times a day, Jews recite this prayer. May it be your will that the temple be speedily rebuilt in our own time. It's a prayer they prayed for almost 2000 years. 
But Jews here in Jerusalem are doing more than just praying. Just a few steps away from the Western Wall, rabbis and craftsmen are building what they call a temple in waiting. We're supposed to build a temple, and nothing about that changed. Nothing about that commandment changed. Heim Richman is a director at the Temple Institute in Jerusalem. The Temple Institute is actively engaged in research and preparation for the resumption of the service in the Holy Temple to the extent of actually preparing operational blueprints for the construction of the Temple according to the most modern standards. This menorah is just one of several vessels created for the next temple. It's covered with 95 pounds of pure gold and has a price tag of $2 million. Piece by piece, the third temple is taking shape with priest garments, vessels of copper, gold, and silver, and a new generation of Levite priests specially trained for temple service. We have enough in place now to resume the divine service and, and to build the temple. But obviously, a lot of things have to happen in order for this to happen. Richmond isn't the only one who's ready to rebuild. You actually have blueprints, architectural oh, yes. drawings for the yes. third temple. 3,000 years after King Solomon built the first Jewish temple, another Solomon is laying the foundations for the third. From the womb of my mother... I have a task and a mission in my life which is connected um, with the rebirth of Israel. Gershon Solomon leads a group called the Temple Mount Faithful. They commissioned these cornerstones for the third temple. The six-ton stones were consecrated with water from the biblical pool of Siloam and cut with diamonds. And why God um, commanded us not to cut them by iron? Don't forget that these are stones for the house of God. They cannot be um, like other stones. For several years, Solomon and his followers tried to place the stones on the Temple Mount. And every year, they were stopped by Israeli police. Unfortunately, weakness of the Israeli leadership did not allow us to bring the cornerstone to the right place. The end-time temple should be built on the same location of the first and the second temple. But that location is already occupied. The holiest site for Jews is also the third holiest site for Muslims. And neither side is ready to share. The Temple Mount, 35 acres of it, is the most explosive piece of territory on the face of the planet. In 2002, Palestinian leader Yasser Arafat told an Arab newspaper that the Israelis found not a single stone proving that the Temple of Solomon was there because the Temple was not in Palestine at all. The issue of the Temple, it's, all, it's so sensitive. Dr. Yusuf Nache is in charge of tourism at the Dome of the Rock. Here's what he had to say when I asked him about the Jewish temple. It's not uh, an, an undeniable fact. It is theos. And the political situation, the misunderstanding, the mistrust distorted all the facts. That is stupid because the Arabs themselves, they call Jerusalem the place of the temple. And the golden dome right behind me, the Dome of the Rock, was built in order to replace uh, Solomon's temple. 
I think this temple denial is more serious than uh, the Holocaust denial. To counter this so-called temple denial, Gabriel Barkai is pushing the archaeological envelope. Muslim law forbids any digging on the mount itself. So instead, Barkai is digging through its trash. We have here the, uh, the entire history of the Temple Mount. He and his team are sifting through truckloads of debris, unearthed by bulldozers and discarded by Muslim authorities. So there, there could be artifacts in here going back to the first and second temple? And yes, there are, no doubt. Among their finds, a Babylonian arrowhead from the fall of Jerusalem in 586 B.C. and this 2,400-year-old Hebrew coin, the oldest ever minted in Jerusalem. Rabbis for centuries did not understand this and in fact argued, well, are we supposed to build the temple and then the Messiah will come? Or are we supposed to wait and then the Messiah will build the temple? Again, I could hear the voice of God like he's speaking to all of us. I brought you here to build my house. Build my house. Ladies, this is exciting to see that the Jewish people are ready to rebuild the temple. As we have seen in the video, you have two groups here, right? You have the Temple Institute, and then you have the Temple Mount Faithful. Now, the Temple Mount Faithful are a bit more radical. As we saw in the video, they have the temple cornerstones ready for the new temple and have actually tried to put them up on the Temple Mount but were not allowed to do so by the Israeli police. Ladies, they are ready to build the temple. They actually have the blueprints and the archaeological drawings for this new temple ready to go. They are just waiting for permission to do it. And then you have the next group, which is the Temple Institute. Now the Temple Institute has been making everything needed for this new temple piece by piece. Well, when my husband and I were in Israel, we actually visited the Temple Institute and we saw firsthand the many items they have ready for the new temple. It was really amazing to see it close up and be able to see all the different artifacts ready to go in. Right outside they have a large menorah and you saw this in the video, a seven branch candelabra and it is made out of 95 pounds of pure gold with a price tag of two million dollars. You can actually stand next to it as it towers over you. It's absolutely beautiful to see. They have over 150 sacred vessels have already been made for the temple. For example, they have the table of showbread, the oil picture used to replenish the oil for the menorah and the priest's crown, the garments, the breastplates. They have the copper laver and the stand which stands in the temple courtyard, which is going to be between the sanctuary and the outer altar. And this is where the priests will wash their hands and feet before proceeding to attend to their daily offering. And these are just a few things. They have so many. Jimmy DeYoung said that there were 70 Jewish scholars and biblical experts that came together and reformed the Sanhedrin and they have come to Jerusalem now the Sanhedrin are the ones who elect the high priest and have said that they are ready 
He also said that they have put together a forum of architects and engineers and they are ready to build the temple. There is actually a database of 28,000 priests in Jerusalem studying the priesthood. Dr. Renald Showers talked about in the October issue of 1999 of the National Geographic that it had an article of DNA genetic code research. Did you know that it is stated that the world-class genetic researchers discovered that the Jewish men in the line of the Jewish priests have a unique marking in the white chromosome of their genetic code that no other men on the face of the earth have. Ladies, God has worked it out specifically so they would know who could be a priest in that new temple. So now scientifically, they know exactly which Jewish men are qualified to be in the priesthood. All they have to do is take a cotton swab and rub on the inside of their cheek and it will give their whole genetic code. In an article in the Israel News, it stated that the tailors at the Temple Institute in Jerusalem's Old City actually began taking measurements of the priests in anticipation of the rebuilding of the Third Temple. Ladies, these men are being prepared to be the priests for this new temple. They were also given out pamphlets to each of these men who are being measured containing a Jewish legal description of the clothes they were to receive. The Israel Textile Association recorded each priest's measurements that were taken. They are ready, ladies, for the temple. They have found also a rare snail in the Mediterranean Sea that gives us the blue dye for the garment of the high priest. Now, that has been made and is on display at the Temple Institute. This biblical blue was known to come from the gland of the murex snail in the Mediterranean. Now, the snail actually disappeared soon after the destruction of the temple in AD 70, and the process of how to extract it was lost. But not until 1985 was the snail rediscovered in the Mediterranean. Now, according to some experts, this blue color was used for the priestly garments as well as the threaded tassels worn by all the pious Jews of that period. Now, the Temple Institute also has this crimson worm, which is needed for the garments. Now, the priestly garments are to be spun using three different colors of thread. You have the purple, the crimson, and the blue. Now, the blue and the purple come from the murex snail, and the crimson comes from this crimson worm. And then next, we will see that the music is also ready for the temple. There is a couple, Micah and Shoshana Harari, who actually build replicas of King David-style harps, and they are in Jerusalem. They have actually built these special harps for the Temple Institute, for this future temple. They are ready to go. For many years, there is a lady in Paris, France, who was an Orthodox Jewish woman. Her name was Suzanne, and she was a professional musician. Now, this dear woman, for years, has gone through ancient documents trying to rediscover the temple music 
to which they would sing the Jewish text of the Old Testament on Solomon's temple. And she has discovered and written her results in a book called The Music of the Bible Revealed. Now she found the notes directly above the Hebrew in manuscripts and has written them out. Now she has a lot of scholars that support her, but there are some who don't know if this is really true. But just think, what if it is true? What if she did rediscover the music of the temples, written out now in music sheets, so people can have the music as they did in the temple time? Fascinating. Ladies, the significance of this is that scripture says they will have a temple at least by the middle of the tribulation period, right? The Antichrist is going to take control of that temple and announce that he is God. Fulfilling what the scriptures foretold in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, in Matthew 24, 15, and 2 Thessalonians 2. That God said this is what is going to happen. And we are seeing it, ladies. Now it is moving forward to that time period as we speak today. Ladies, the time is being set. We have seen throughout this study signs of Christ's return. We have seen the aligning of the nations, the desire of a one-world economic government, haven't we? We have seen the disasters, the pestilence and famine. We have seen the RFID chips implanted. Ladies, we have seen God's promised people, the Jews, brought back to Israel as a nation. What else do you need to make you want to live your life to the best of your ability for God? What else do you need to prepare for your Savior? Ladies, we all have families and friends who are unsaved. There are people all around us in the stores and the doctor's offices living next door that need to know the Lord. Ladies, we need to be spreading the word of God. Time is drawing close. We don't have a lot of time left. I'd like you to watch this short clip. How many times does someone need to hear the gospel before they believe in Jesus? Once? Ten times? Some say it takes as many as 40 times. Whatever the number, every time they hear the story, it makes an impact. Every cup of coffee matters. Each conversation is significant, whether it's the first, or the tenth, or the fortieth. Maybe this won't be the moment they choose to trust him. That's okay. Just pour another cup. Tell the story again. And be glad for the people who told you the story of Jesus. And then told you one more time. Seems so simple, doesn't it? A cup of coffee goes a long way. We are in the end times, ladies. And we need to be spreading the gospel to those around us. Just tell your story of what Christ has done in your life. It doesn't have to be complicated. Ladies, the Temple Institute 
and the Temple Mount faithful are ready for the Messiah to come. The Jews await their Messiah and the Arabs are trying to stop the Messiah from coming. The question is, are you ready? If not, what do you need to do to get ready? Ladies, this was not a class on end time events. It was not for the purpose of knowing when does this event take place and when does that event take place. But it is a class to prepare us for the end times. Ladies, what I want you to take from this class is how to live in light of eternity. I know you are just like I am and want to hear good and faithful servant when you stand before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ. It's not about working for our salvation, but about being able to stand before Christ and know you did your best for Him. That you didn't give your second best, but you gave your very best. What you did for Christ, what you did with the opportunities that He has given you is what is going to last in the end. As John Piper said, Don't waste your life. God isn't interested in your seashell collection. He isn't interested in what you did here and there. He wants to know what you did with the opportunities that he has given you. Deuteronomy 30 verse 19 says, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both you and your descendants may live that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey His voice, that you may cling to Him, and He is your life and the length of your days. Ladies, choose life. Live every moment for the Lord. He is returning soon. It could be any time, and there is nothing that has to happen before He returns for His bride. Be ready, look up, and live for Christ every moment of every day. God bless.